On today's episode of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring, I sit down with the founder of VandySports.com, Chris Lee, and we discuss all things Vanderbilt sports as we take a deep dive into the state of the athletics department right now under Candace Story Lee. We talk about the football team as they await a potential game against Ole Miss on Halloween. I ask Chris, what are the chances they play that game in Oxford against the Rebels and we also talk about the basketball team and the future under Coach Stackhouse. Year two practice began last week. What are the chances they they could make a run in the SEC tournament as, as well as maybe squeeze in to the NCAA tournament? And we also talk about Chris's experience at the Black and Gold World Series at Hawkins Field this past weekend. And, and he said Kumar Rocker and Jack Light are looking legit and we continue to, to await what kind of pick they will uh, receive in the MLB draft. They could go number one and number two. We'll talk about all that and much more with Chris Lee, the founder of VandySports.com. Let's ride. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615 356 0303, that's 615 356 0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Before we get to the breaking news, here's my co host Will Byram with a few words on the recycling dudes. You may ask, who are the recycling dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in West Mead, the recycling dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. Welcome into episode 43 of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. My name is Billy Derrick. I'm your host today, and I'm riding solo once again. Sadly, Will Byram cannot make it. He's swamped again today. Uh, we're going to get him back here on The Door Report sooner rather than later. But I am back and better than ever with another episode reporting live from Naples, Florida here in not necessarily sunny southwest Florida anymore. We're starting to cool down a little bit into the high 60s and low 70s. It's still probably, um, you know, a hotter temperature for the Nashville folks, but uh, it's starting to feel a little bit more comfortable uh, here down in Naples. And before I get to the breaking news for today, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's at door underscore report and Instagram, door.report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars 
and a good review on iTunes. That'll help both the listener and uh, myself and Will Byram out a great uh, amount. Also, the Friday Mailbag column is up and running this season. If you have any questions or just an opinion you'd like to share about anything surrounding Vanderbilt Athletics, send them over to doorreport at gmail.com or send us a DM on Twitter or Instagram. All right, we've got plenty of news to talk about. We're going to try to keep this breaking news segment short because coming up later in today's episode of The Door Report, we I will be joined by Chris Lee, the founder of VandySports.com, the longest-running uh, Vandy news site. So it's always great to, to chat with Chris uh, regarding the latest on Vanderbilt Athletics. Uh, he is the uh, He's the supreme leader in Vanderbilt sports coverage, in my mind, and he does a tremendous job uh, with his site at VandySports.com. So that's where you can reach him and uh, and 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 his team of writers. Uh, but uh, we're going to go over to Vandy 24/7 for uh, this story from Ravi Weinstein on the new Vanderbilt football locker room. After Vanderbilt paused the previously announced football locker room renovation amid the coronavirus pandemic, Vanderbilt should have the project completed by next summer. Candace Story Lee said. She said the project is going to take about four months. Uh, they're working on a design for the new locker room right now. And uh, she said she hopes it will be done in time for spring football uh, next year. Construction is set to begin in December after this season ends, according to Candace Lee. In, in a quote, she said, It's been exciting uh, because there was only so much you could do when you were working remotely. But in the last few weeks, we've picked that project back up. And so now we're finalizing the design for that locker room. Right now, I think our projected timeline is we would love to have it done before spring ball. If everything moves as it should, that would be great. If not, then it certainly would be done by this summer. That was Candace Story Lee. Her quotes, uh, Vanderbilt originally announced the renovation project back in February. And Lee, at the time, said that it would cost under $5 million. And this past Tuesday, yesterday, Candace uh, said that the reason for the university paused all capital projects for a time during the pandemic, which contributed to the delay. So nonetheless, that's solid news. Another small step in the right direction that Candace Lee has been known for here pretty recently. And and if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you, you got to be encouraged by um, by that sign. It, it's again, it's 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 a locker room enhancement. It's not it's not a, a brand new building. Um it's it, it it is we'll talk to Chris Lee about this, but um, it is going to be at the old McGugan Center. Um, but uh, again, we'll see what that continues to look like. And 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 if I'm a Vanderbilt fan, I'm excited because this is a small step in the right direction for the program that needs anything that's positive, positive vibes only. Uh, here for Derek Mason and the Commodores, and because they don't have a season right now. You know, their season is up in the air. It's in jeopardy, and we'll see if they even finish this year. We'll talk about that with Chris Lee a little bit later as well. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's football. There's the football news for you. We're going to roll on here with the Black and Gold World Series for the Vandy Boys this weekend, and and it was a fun series. It was it was lively. The The boys showed a lot of energy, and, and there were at least Friday night, according to VU Hustler Sports, we put this on our uh, door report account. But there were over 40 scouts at Hawkins Field on Friday night, and I'm sure throughout the weekend there were even more. Uh, but when you have a guy like Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter and and many other uh, potential major league prospects, th- they will show up. <laughs> they know where they are. They know where Tim Corbin and this Vandy Boys program is in the heart uh, of Nashville. You know, just about a 15 minute drive over to downtown. It's a beautiful area. 
and and Hawkins Field is a fun place to be, and and it it definitely would have been fun uh, to be up there in Nashville uh, for that Black and Gold World Series. But uh, nonetheless, RBI single from senior Cooper Davis in the bottom of the eighth pushed across the game-winning run as the Black team walked things off in the series finale of the Black and Gold World Series on Sunday afternoon at Hawkins Field. The offense was lighting it up on Sunday's series finale, Game 3. Both teams combined for 17 runs on 14 hits. The two squads traded runs throughout the first four innings before pitching settled in across the final four innings. The duo of Cooper Davis and Dominic Keegan led the way, finishing with two hits apiece. Meanwhile, Isaiah Thomas led the way for the gold, going three for four with two home runs. So watch out for Isaiah Thomas, but as well as the Canadian Cooper Davis, who who looked very good this weekend. So we'll talk to Chris a little bit more on what he saw uh, from the Black and Gold World Series a little bit later. Meanwhile, basketball practice 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 is underway under Coach Stackhouse and his staff. The question is that I will ask Coach uh, Coach Chris Lee is how good can Vanderbilt be in year two under Coach Stackhouse and 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 Stackhouse has said in quote our guys really care for each other they enjoy playing with each other our newcomers they've come in and 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 their personalities and their skill sets have blended in really well uh, he said we're super excited about that so um, and I'm really excited about this team I'm, I'm excited about the season mainly because of the. Um, the ineptitude of the football team just to see a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of a positive team and, and get in the win column, because I think that's what this team will do. They're going to have a lot more wins than three and what they had last year. But uh, Stackhouse's team, they began practice last week looking to build off some positive momentum from the end of last season. They fought through a lot of adversity last year. A couple more injuries from Cleavon Brown and Aaron Neesmith. I mean, that's just that's just atrocious. And that all led to a lot of growth in year one, um, especially with the younger guys like Scottie Pippen Jr. and Dylan DeSue and even Jordan Wright, who were kind of thrown into the fire. This year's team is now focused on taking a leap forward in the win column this season. Here's what DJ Harvey said on the Commodores, in quote, with the new pieces that we have and then with the guys that we have uh, a year under their belt with Max Evans and Cleavon Brown coming back, we have a lot of experience. Um, DJ continued to say, I think we have a lot more weapons than we did last year. And with Coach Stackhouse, his system isn't the easiest. Uh, so with the guys having a year under their belt, that's going to be huge. We're deep in all positions, and I think it's going to be a fun season. So that's what DJ Harvey said. And he he will likely prove to be the leader of this team. Now, we'll see how much progression um, Dylan DeSue shows, and, and especially Scottie Pippen Jr. But I'm also to see how guys like Tyron Lawrence and – and um, and Miles Studi, you know, end up end up playing out. DJ Harvey, along with Clinton Melora Brown, they sat out last season due to transfer eligibility rules. But this season is going to be their second go around with Stackhouse. It would also be the second go around for Cleavon Brown and Max Evans, Isaiah Rice, Educa Obina, Drew Weikert, Dylan DeSue, Braley Albert, Jordan Wright, and Scotty Pippen Jr. So six newcomers have also been added. So again, it's a it's a team with a lot of depth. And, um, you know, Stack, he expects the best out of his players. He's going to push them every day. Um, and and he, he's, he's, he's out there playing with them. He's going to be practicing with them most of the time as well. So um, he's a fun coach, and I'm sure he, he's a player's coach also. So um, the excitement is starting to build 
uh, for this Vanderbilt uh, basketball team in year two under Coach Stack, and uh, they will not be playing in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. That, uh, that field was released yesterday, according to John Rothstein on Twitter, but it will be fun to watch Vanderbilt in the Legends Classic beginning December 2nd up in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun. Uh, the field consists of BYU, USC, UConn, and your Vanderbilt Commodores. So Coach Stack and the boys are, are getting ready for the season, and it's going to be fun to watch uh, this team. How much progression, how mu- how big of a step forward they can take in year two under Coach Stack and the boys. Coming right up, we've got Chris Lee on the door report. This is episode 43. Chris Lee, the founder of VandySports.com, is coming right up. Chris Lee, the founder of VandySports.com, is now a special guest here on The Door Report, episode number 43, and it's now time to to dive into not a whole lot of football, Chris, because there hasn't been a lot of football played here recently for the Commodores, and hopefully, you know, we can get them back on the field, not this weekend, but hopefully against Ole Miss. You know, hopefully we we see that uh, potentially Ole Miss and a Commodore matchup uh, coming up here shortly, and then obviously with basketball beginning on the floor, men's and women's, we're starting to uh, look forward to the winter season. And and Chris, thanks for taking the time uh, for a little another deep dive into Commodore sports. Yes, it is good to talk sports. Let's hope we have sports. We've had a pause on the football season. We're still waiting for the basketball schedule to come out, and of course we had fall baseball this weekend that I saw. But uh, and thank God there was something to cover, right? Because I think we're all bored to tears otherwise. But I'm hoping that this will go off without a hitch and we'll have a full go on everything before long. Yeah, hopefully so. And, um, you know, we're, we're honored to have you on here, the door report episode 43. And Chris, I want to start with um, the new football locker room that, uh, that was broke very recently. The story broke um, on obviously Vandy sports.com. Uh, Robbie Weinstein had a, g- a good story also on Vandy 24 seven and Candace Lee said the project will take around four months uh, that Vanderbilt, they're working on a design uh, for the new locker room right now, and uh, that she hopes it'll be done in time for spring football. And they've had they have kind of the pod idea where uh, many um, you know Division One schools have has have adopted that, and and you know that will is sure to create excitement. What can you tell us on on that right now, Chris, and kind of where they're at with that, and and kind of the unexpected nature of of how this broke. Well, I would say, first of all, the wording is interesting. And I know that when Malcolm Turner was doing this, they called it the locker project and not the locker room project. And there was a reason for that, because they were designed to be portable pods that they could move to a different building, uh, which is the, I think, the biggest part of phase one is I think that they will build, if they go with what they were planning to do under Malcolm, Vanderbilt was planning to build a football facility in the closed end zone, not the open one, but the closed end zone mm-hmm. that would take out some capacity. But eventually they would move the lockers into that. That would be a football only building. I think you heard Candace Lee in the press conference, the transcript of which is on our site, refer to having football in one place. Again, reading between the lines, if they're going to take what Turner had planned, I think that'll all be in that building in what is now the closed end zone. So then the lockers would be moved to there. But Reading between the lines of what I've known before about what they were doing and listening to what she said, that is what I think will happen. They will start with those locker pods, which I think will be in the old space in Magoogan. And then hopefully when they build, if they build that facility, those will be moved into what is now the closed end zone. 
Yeah, Chris, I want to ask you also about the timeline because it's been very interesting the way um, you know everything's kind of come about. They originally announced the renovation project back in February, and Candace Lee said at that time uh, that it would cost you know a little under five million dollars. Uh, not sure where they're at with that right now, but. And, and again, you know, later uh, yesterday, she said that the reason for the university uh, paused all the projects for a time during the pandemic, uh, you know, which which contributed to the delay. So, in terms of of, of a timetable on 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 how this kind of correlates with her strategic plan, where do you think they're at with that in terms of you know where they want to be as opposed to where they are, you know, right now due to the pandemic and everything that's happened? Boy, that's a great question, right? I mean, I keep hearing soon. But we heard soon in February, and that was when there was going to be this big launch of all the projects that were going to be presented to the board. That was a formality. You know, I think that was going to be probably in the neighborhood of two hundred to three million dollars. And I know COVID is the the reason or excuse. Choose your your word on however you the view it, right? Right. <laughs> and then and then you know the, the reason we were given was that COVID paused everything that was already being started. Um, now, look, skeptical me will say that, look at Vanderbilt, they will grab onto whatever excuse historically mm -hmm. to pause things. And, and yeah. trust me, I've I've heard them all. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, COVID, does COVID have, give them some valid cover? Probably. But at the same time, you know, the locker project, I, I think, would have been easy to finish by now. The players had expected it for this season. It didn't happen. The question now is, what do they do with this building? When does it come? I hear soon. But again, I, I rewind to February pre-COVID that this was supposed to be announced then and had done. It was just a formality. It didn't happen. So the question I guess I have is this is just another excuse uh, or are these legitimate plans or, or where are we going and, and God help you to try to figure that all out. Yeah, we, we've been trying to, my buddy Will and I here at the pod have been trying to figure that out for a while as well. And, and, and you know, obviously you mentioned it, Chris, COVID is, is kind of that ultimate excuse right now, but I don't think now, especially where we're at right now in those stages, is particularly um, you know quite an excuse anymore because a lot of people this is the the new normal and 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 most um, you know pro franchises and even college uh, athletic departments are 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 going back to you know as normal as they can. Um, and I want to ask you about this kind of easing into this part of it and and. and the social justice aspect, we're not going to go too deep, Chris, because this is a sports podcast, but there's not other, there's not a whole lot else to talk about. So have you been surprised by, by any of the, you know, not necessarily statements, but um, by any, by any of the, the things that have gone on this football season, have, have any, has any of that surprised you with, with Derek Mason at the helm and now Candace Lee, um, you know, being the new AD, has anything they've done kind of surprised me? Like, hmm, I, I wonder why, or is it kind of, not surprised at this point? Well, I mean, first of all, it's 2020. I don't know that you can be surprised with anything anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and with them too, you can say the same thing. And I don't mean to take a cheap shot. It's just that program has been so unpredictable for so long and a lot of promises have been broken. And then again, you throw in valid cover for a lot of things this year. I don't know. Nothing much has surprised me. I think we all were thinking, let's see them get to the field and, and what do they have? Because there were some storylines there to watch, right? There was the defense that was Ken Seals. I was surprised by the opener. I'll put it that way. I did not think that Vanderbilt would hang with Texas A&M as long as it did. Uh, the defense looked like everything that we hoped it would look like if they were going to have a good season. Uh, unfortunately, that fell apart the, the next two weeks. And now I think that just in a situation with not being able to play with COVID and, 
and continued positive tests coming out, uh, I think behind the scenes and things, uh, I think the next few weeks could be in jeopardy. So all that to say that this is an unpredictable year. I think that the, unfortunately the last two weeks were more the team that I thought we would see. And I guess the question is now, can they get, A, can they get healthy enough? And B, if they do, can they tap back into where they were for that game against A&M? Because right now I think that's the hope you cling to with football is that they can somehow find that bunch again and maybe pull an upset or two before the season ends. Yeah, COVID aside, um, you know, with all the issues they've had, again, not personally a surprise, and I know you aren't, um, but this team, Chris, it's it's been – obviously the opener was was very interesting, and, and I, I didn't watch a ton of it, but the way they played, it's almost like there it was a – it was a jolt of a little bit of confidence for, for not only the team, but the fans like, okay, maybe we have something this year. Maybe that, maybe this could be a little bit different. Um, But, you know, we quickly learned that that was a lot of, of how Texas A&M was playing in that game, but more in particular, Chris, the way Ken Seals has played and performed, how much more of a, of a difference at quarterback has he been? uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he's a better option than any options they had last year, but how much of a difference is that? Like, wh- where is the where is his progression in terms of, of 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 how good you know he is now, and then potentially how good he could be compared to the quarterbacks last season? Because obviously that was um, you know just atrocious. Well, I think that you've seen slices of him where you look at him and say that guy could be a really good quarterback, not just at Vanderbilt but in the league. Right? He's mm-hmm. accurate. He's smart. I think he is composed. At the same time, you will see some freshman things in him. You, you see, I think there was an interception thrown into double coverage in the end yeah. zone. Uh, you know, it, it, for an offense that can't score points, you have to cash in on those, right? Uh, I think you saw the play against South Carolina where it's fourth and goal for the four, and he rolls out and he just goes out of bounds. I mean, yeah. those are things that I'm thinking that with Ken Seals as a junior and senior, mm-hmm. the outcomes of those plays are probably a little different. It's a reminder that even as – polished as he is coming in and he's one of only three quarterbacks to ever start an SEC opener Mm -hmm. since 1972 when freshmen were made eligible so I think you have seen some of the glimpse of the upside but I think you've also seen some things that come with being a freshman and of course Mm -hmm. the other part that's disappointing Billy is I don't want to sit here and say that he's not an upgrade because he certainly is but even with that the offense has taken a step backwards in terms of scoring and yards and those things, which you thought almost was impossible at the end of last year from where they left off. But the point is, even as good as Ken Seals is, they need a lot more talent to help them out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing. I think if Ken gets that, he could be a very good quarterback. But if he doesn't, um, your surrounding cast is going to limit your ceiling. And right now his is very limited with that. Yeah, and, and and he's a Derek Mason guy. We know that, and 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 a lot of um, you know, I think Derek Mason still being here is a lot of why Ken Seals is still here. And I, I could be wrong, but um, you know, and 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 you know, he's kind of he is a part of that mindset, and and um, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And in terms of this team going forward, Chris, um, a little bit more on football here before we go into baseball and basketball. Um, you know, the the Ole Miss game that's set for Halloween, correct? Yes. Okay. So except for Halloween, we're about two weeks away um, as of right now. Uh, what are the chances um, Vanderbilt gets above that, uh, that 50, 53 mark? Uh, what are the chances they get above that? And then what are the chances that, that both of these teams you know, are able to play that game? Because it will be a big game you know, for both teams. 
Yeah, right now, I would say the chance is less than 50% that they'll play Ole Miss as scheduled. Now, I think that the SEC wants that game to be played. I think Mm -hmm. the SEC, after talking to someone today, um, both on the Ole Miss side and also someone who's very well connected within the conference, the thought is that if that game gets postponed, they will play it on December 19th. Obviously, neither team will be in Atlanta, and it'll kind of be a a who-cares game, right? Yeah. But it's better than the zero that you would get. I mean, TV revenue is everything. You will still have Ole Miss and Vandy fans watching that game, and I'm sure they would not schedule it at the same time. But I think they will probably play the game. I'm just very skeptical that it's going to go off as scheduled right now. All right, so we will see. Uh, that's the latest there on Vanderbilt Ole Miss. Uh, supposed to be played on, on Halloween, uh, the eve of Halloween, and, and we will see if that continues to get played. Uh, but but let's hop into baseball here, Chris. Uh, the Black and Gold World Series was was uh, a little bit of positivity for Vanderbilt fans that, that I know I needed. Um, and, and Cooper Davis at the bottom of the eighth, he pushed across the game-winning run as the Black team. They walked things off in the finale on Sunday, this past Sunday. And uh, you got you got to see a little baseball this weekend, Chris. And, uh, you know, obviously it's always good to see the Vandy boys back out there, guys like Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter and a lot of the younger guys that that apparently, you know, are, are, look, are looking on the up and up. So um, out of what you saw, Chris, what uh, what kind of uh, conclusions did you come up with and, and maybe how good this team can be? I mean, it's a Vandy boys team. They're going to be um, in the contention there in, in Omaha, but maybe how deep could they go? Well, let's start with what we assumed going into the weekend, right? That you have Kumar Rocker at one and Jack Leiter at two. And, and that is probably the best one-two punch in the country. That's probably the first mm-hmm. two guys off the board in the major league draft. And anybody would kill for that start. So mm-hmm. you have that. You also know that you've got a group of now sophomores, Michael Doolin, Sam Loboki, Thomas Schultz, who are all outstanding players and are going to fill out that rotation with depth. Uh, You saw some guys like Luke Murphy step up and show that they can be factors. So I think the pitching, and again, we didn't see a lot of those arms. We didn't see tons of rocker or lighter. We saw a couple innings for each. And then some of those guys like Schultz, Laboki, just did not play this weekend, probably for rest or injury reasons. Tim Corbett talked about it, and I've forgotten what everyone's exact situation was. But the point is, some of those guys sat out. So you know that the pitching is going to be phenomenal. What you did not know is the hitting. And I'm not going to say we know yet, right, because Mm -hmm. a lot of this damage was done against pitchers who just came in who probably are not going to be factors right off the bat because of their pitching depth. But you saw three guys each hit two home runs this weekend. Mm -hmm. You saw Jason Gonzalez hit the ball pretty well. He was not one of the guys that hit two home runs. You saw speed at the top of the lineup in Enrique Bradfield and Cooper Davis. And I think you were seeing a depth chart that is just going to be packed everywhere. Mm -hmm. I think that it's going to be a very competitive battle at a number of positions in the field. Uh, And I don't think these are battles where these guys just stink and somebody's got to win the job, right? These are competitive battles where whoever loses is probably going to be starting at 80 or 90% of other programs in the country. So, what I saw was a lineup that I think is potentially deeper than I thought. I think I saw a bench that's going to be deep, which is good because you always have a guy or two hurt. I went into the weekend knowing what they had in pitching. I went into the weekend wanting to see what they had in hitting. Uh, and again, we will take it in context because I yes. think the difference in facing some of these kids as true freshmen just getting to campus yeah. and some of the kids are going to face in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's an apples to oranges comparison, but I do think they've got a lot of talent. And to me, I left the park thinking 
that's another national title caliber team. And, and that's scary. That's, that's scary and, and awesome for Vanderbilt fans, and especially um, in a time like right now, to get the Vandy boys back is huge. And, and with seeing guys like Dansby and Walker Bueller, you know, playing in, in the pros right now, especially Walker lighting it up. Um, for you, Chris, as, as you know, for covering Vanderbilt this long and knowing Tim Corbin, um, what, what, what has, I don't know, what has kind of the, uh, the, the respectability of, of Vanderbilt as a baseball program, how has that grown from, from you know, maybe 10, 10, 12 years ago to now? Because I think in the past 12 years, it's grown exponentially because of the exposure and the pros and because of the, the willingness to, to advertise, like, you know, from guys like David Price and, and even Walker Bueller, who now have those, those personal brands almost, you know, for Vanderbilt. So, so what can you say about that and kind of how they've grown? Because it, it's been incredible to see. Well, this could be a podcast in its own, right? And I'll oh, try to down. keep my answer brief. But I remember I started covering Tim in 04, which was his second year there. And I just remember they made a regional for the first time since 1980 in 04. And there was a lot of talk around the college baseball world at that time, like, hey, this is a fluke. They'll be, they'll be back to being Vandy before long. Well, sure enough, they don't go in 2005, mm-hmm. which is the only year since then that Tim Corbin has missed the tournament. Yep. And since then, they've been there from, from 06 on, and it's the second longest streak in the country behind Florida State. So, But you look at the steps, Billy. There were steps along the way because mm-hmm. 2005 or 2006, they get back. They've got Price as a sophomore they get Pedro Alvarez as a freshman you could see mm-hmm. at the end of that year that they were ready for the next big step well they take it the next year in 07 with that monster team they had mm-hmm. uh which ended up not getting out of the regional which everybody knows the story of that now but yep. that was kind of the point in time where you said okay they can be nationally relevant but 08 09 10 were seasons where they took a mm-hmm. step back they were not hosting regionals um they were a borderline top 25 program. Sometimes they were in it. Sometimes they weren't. Mm-hmm. I think that made 11 important because that's the year that they had another monster team. They won the league. They got back to Omaha. So that's when he first said, okay, this is repeatable on some level. And, and they got that monkey off their back. And I feel like with Tim Corbin, once they got to Omaha, you could just feel it in being around him. That took a lot of pressure off his back mm-hmm. because I think he always carried that burden for the kids. So that was the second step. And I think you look again, they take another step back, right? They take a step back in 2013. I mean, I say a step back, but they pull the best regular season record in the history of the SEC. They go 26 and three. I don't think that record will ever be broken again, but they get into the weekend and they get beat by Louisville on the home field. Mm. So again, he's thinking I had a veteran team. I had the cards set up. Mm-hmm. It was 2011 just a kind of a one-off thing, and you felt the pressure starting to mount? Mm-hmm. I think that's what made 2014 so important because that was not start to finish the best team in the country, but they get to Omaha again, and then they win the national title. And, again, you can feel the pressure release. Uh, they go back in 2015, they miss it by game. Then in 2016, the Donnie Everett thing happens, and it's a whole different ball game at that point. Uh, yeah. Now you're looking at a coach who was just thinking – can I even do this anymore? Because I saw the way that ripped his heart out and it ripped out the hearts of the kids in the program. And I think you saw that little spark at the end of 2018 where they get to the Super Regional after almost not making the tournament. Mm-hmm. All those kids, Ethan Paul, those guys come back. And then they win it all in 2019. 
you feel like now 2020, I don't know if they would have won the national title or not. I think they probably lacked a little bit of hitting, but I like their chances to be in Omaha. But it feels like 2019 was was that third or fourth in the series of steps where they have sort of reasserted their dominance as a national powerhouse. And I think that's what makes the next few years so interesting. The 2021 is going to be interesting because they'll lose Rocker and Lighter and all those kids. But I think that what they did in 2019 was so important because now it's established again that they are capable of staying at that national level of relevance. Um, and you could just sense it around the program when you're around that there's a lot of confidence in this in the years going forward. Boy, the adversity that uh, that Tim Corbin that program has gone through is 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 incredible, and and the way they've responded and continue to respond is 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 absolutely incredible. So again, it's it's no surprise we're we're seeing guys like Dansby and Walker Bueller, um, and and you know more guys that will 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 continue to rise up like Kuma Rocker and Jack Leiter who could be in the pros uh, next season. So uh, you know again we'll continue to monitor the baseball situation, but let's move into basketball because. We're diving into all three sports because there's topics to talk about in terms of all of them. The question now for Coach Stackhouse, Chris, is how good can they be in year two? And Coach Stackhouse, uh, he was quoted saying it's there's more of a belief this year. He said, you have to really believe that we can be good. It's not always about talent, one through 15, that you have on the roster. It's about how you're able to come together and grow and be able to pull for each other. And he said he thinks, uh, you know, they saw that toward the end of last season and, and it can't be undermined. Yes, it, they, they won three games and and there was a little bit of spark there. So, Chris, for Coach Stackhouse, his staff and this team this season in a unique season, how do you think he's going to attack this? Um, obviously, they're 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 being smart. It's Vanderbilt. Um, they're going to be smart with this situation. But in terms of the talent on the floor, they have depth. But do you think how, how much? How much of a of, of an increase in wins and then and then increase in just respectability in the conference do you think can be achieved this year? I think it's going to be tough to be honest, and I would disagree with him a little bit in his statement about about belief and not just talent because I look at the roster and yes, he has done some things to upgrade the depth, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But I don't see an Aaron Neesmith on this roster, and I don't see a Saban Lee on this roster. And basketball is a game where one or two studs can carry you. You've seen them both do it at times. Now, I think the question is, is Dylan to sue that guy, right? It's not mm-hmm. going to look like it would with Aaron e. Smith or Saban Lee necessarily. It will come in different ways. But I look at them and I say, well, I don't think you can have that conversation about improvement until you know whether it is going to be he or it's going to be somebody like DJ Harvey, who he's talked up, that could be that next guy. I'm, I'm a little skeptical. I think that those kids were special players and I'm not sure they've got one of those on those rosters. But I think that how you answer that question is a big deal. But if you do answer that, Billy, okay, then I've got two things. First of all, the league is going to be really good. Uh, and stop me, we've heard this before, so let's not anoint them anything. Mm-hmm. But the perception is there's potentially eight or nine NCAA tournament caliber teams in this league. I don't think that they are one of them. Um, and, and that's the problem with this schedule, right? If, you're, if there's three or four, Um, then you got a shot in most games. But if you're not at that level, you're going to walk into most of them as an underdog. So I think the way they overcome that is, again, one of those stars, can they step up number two? And I think this is the place where everybody would agree. I do think their depth's better. I think it will help them having Cleveland Brown back. They needed a guy in the middle who could defend the rim. They weren't good at that a year ago. And I think just having more bodies, because we saw games last year 
where they're filling out the first half of the Georgia game with three walk-ons on the floor. Mm-hmm. You at least know that's not going to be the reality yeah. anymore, barring something crazy with COVID or injuries. But I think it's going to be an uphill battle. To me, the question is, can they position themselves as that team that might make a run to sneak into the NCAA tournament two years from now? Because I think this year it's just too big of a bite. Mm-hmm. And, and the matchups actually have been set for the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And Vanderbilt was not seen in that, Chris. And it was very interesting because last year they were not in the Big 12 SEC Challenge either, um, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm correct. So, you know, you got Tennessee playing Kansas, Auburn and Baylor, some, some great matchups in there that Vanderbilt's missing out on. Why do you think that is? It's based on last year's standings, um, and, and okay. the last um, the last four teams I think usually don't get in. So this okay. is the second year in a row. You know, you saw them get in those in previous years. Those were fun matchups. You know, they had a great win over Iowa State. Yeah, that helped Bryce Drew get to the tournament a few years ago. But yeah, that's the other hill they've got to get out of that bottom four. Yeah, if they want to get in on games like these again. Uh- Okay, I, we were not sure. Uh, all of us at the door were figure, trying to figure that out, and 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 we, you know, so we assumed that uh, that it was the bottom four, the, the that feeder, and and like you said, Chris, the, to be able to get out of that is big. You get to play in a, a Big Twelve SEC challenge, and and but another thing, real quick, to end it off here, a big tournament they're going to be playing in. If you can call the it tournament, it's a four team, um, you know, a, a four team. I don't know what you call a jam. Classic, yeah, <laughs> classic, the Legends Classic, and. And that's a big get. That's a that's a big get playing, and it's not. It won't be in Brooklyn where it's usually played. Uh, it's going to be in the Mohegan Sun up in Connecticut. But for 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 the the field they got with BYU, USC, UConn, Notre Dame uh, had to be uh, kicked out of that, or they didn't get kicked out, but they I'm sure they uh, they took themselves out of that. But in terms of that field and 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 what to look forward to in that, what what is what could that say about their exposure if they do, um, you know, play well in that? You think? Oh, I think it's a great litmus test. I think you'll be able to tell a lot quickly about whether they're going to compete. Because, frankly, I think the goal, Billy, and it would be a big accomplishment if they do it, is can you get out of that first game in the SEC tournament? Can you not be in the bottom four? Mm -hmm. I think it's an uphill climb. But I think that's a good litmus test because BYU is an excellent program almost every year. USC Mm -hmm. hit and miss, but that's a team that's always got talent. Mm -hmm. And UConn is a team that I don't think it's going to be – vintage UConn that, that I grew up with and, and you did to some extent mm-hmm. but I do think that that's a program that in researching them they expect to get back to taking those next steps getting back in the tournament being relevant again so I don't know that those are top 25 teams but those are the kinds of games that you're going to have to win if you're going to put a dent in the SEC this year I think that's a very good litmus test for them. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be exciting, you know, with with with, with the loss of Neesmith and Lee, obviously that's a hit. But, um, you know, we're going to continue to see how how the development of DeSue, Pippen Jr. And, and even Jordan Wright and and some of the younger guys see how this team meshes, because it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch and, and, and to see what kind of steps Stackhouse takes as well. Chris, we're out of time here. We could talk. <laughs> for probably all day um you know you know that but um thanks so much so much for taking the time the door port uh, you know obviously respects you and and, and everyone there at the vandysports.com providing us with a lot and obviously all vandy fans so so thank you so much and thanks for taking the time it's a pleasure billy thank you for having me thanks chris